I'm Sean. And I'm Lisa. And I'm Caleb, and this is Watcher Harry, a podcast where three obsessive and slightly drunk friends discuss the wider Harry Potter universe. Mailbag! Got it. Woo! After like a six-week hiatus or more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, as always, this podcast is not for kids. It contains cursing and inappropriate topics and all kinds of things. So don't let your children listen. Thank you. Please um, don't. Definitely have an agenda to corrupt your children. So yeah. yes. Okay. It's good, very good funny. Sorry. It's I, just on the kid thing. Uh, my very good pal has a 10-year-old daughter who's reading Harry Potter for the first time. And I will tell her what we're recording about. But then I have to be like, but you can't listen to it. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> but you're but not it's allowed. not for you. Yeah, and she's not probably like, you. why are these adults talking about kids' books, but I, a proper age child, can't listen to it? Mm-hmm. And she's right. Yeah. She's not wrong. I drop leading questions. I'm like, so what do you think of Dumbledore? <laughs> <laughs> what book is she on? Reaction. Just started Order of the Phoenix. Ah, nice. Best one. Mm-hmm. Is this the mm-hmm. kid that like skipped Prisoner yes. of Azkaban? Azkaban, right? Yes. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. And went back. Chaos. Yep. Chaos. <laughs> Any hoodles? Mm. What's up, y'all? How was everyone's summer break? <laughs> uh, it was stressful. Um, full of dread. <laughs> full of dread. Full, full of dread. dread. Same girl. <laughs> The summer's already over, and I don't know how it happened. Is it? I don't know. I keep thinking that it is because I've been like writing the schedule for like September, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, the schedule, the summer's over now. Fuck. Yeah, I get it. And I, it's, uh, it's only August third, but it just feels like it's over. I totally relate to that, um, Lisa. What are you drinking? Oh, gosh. Well, I was going to go for a run, and then I got – I didn't want to. So um, instead, I'm drinking a beer. I'm opening it now. Uh, it's the Friends IPA. There's a Friends. Friends. Cute. Um, it's a collab between Bailbreaker and Sierra, um, and there's a picture of a – a spaceman, space cowboy riding a sheep. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, and a robot. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty Great. good. It's a it's an IPA, you know, like, but it's like not super heavy, which is good. Mm-hmm. Nice. Cool. What's the ABV on that bad boy? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even look at that. Tough. Um, Six point two percent. Seven point one. Ooh, oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, this summer has not been the summer of IPAs for me. I only bought this can because I thought it was cute. Um, uh, it's been really the summer of, uh, have y'all, have y'all been doing the spaghetti? No, what? it's that. Spaghetti? We'll drink some <laughs> next time. I'll send you instructions. Okay. That's exciting. Yeah. Can you tell us any more now? Like, what are you? I mean, I about? can. It's a Miller High Life. You just drink down a little bit, and then you put in some Aperol and then oh, some lemon I've, juice. I haven't had that exact, but I've had like Miller with like an aperitif in it. It's yeah, very no, nice. Uh, 
It's mm. like unreasonably delicious. I don't understand why. Yeah, I think mm. in Philly we call them lowlifes. Oh, here for some reason they're here. They're called spaghetti. That's really cute. I like that. That is yep. cute. Mm-hmm. Um. So here we go. Okay. Spaghetti. Wonderful. We'll do that next time. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to do it tonight, but I don't have any of those ingredients. That's fair. Sean, what do you have? Is that blue? Yes, it is. As per blue usual, day. I'm I'm back to my roots. I'm drinking a, a Cape May brewing. Yes. Um, I was at the brewery last week and they have their summer hard seltzer, which is the uh like one that's supposed to taste like a rocket pop. Mm-hmm. And it's bright blue. And I think it's like six point something ABV. And oh. I love it. I look how blue it is. It's so, it's so blue. blue. It's so blue. Does it give you like a, does it do the gland thing behind your jaw? Is it like ooh. a little bit, a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'd yeah. like to try that. So it's perfect. Awesome. We're going to Wildwood last week in August and I would like to find that there. Yeah. I, they probably will still have it. So you I should definitely so. go to the brewery. Oh yeah. I got a G and T with some grapefruit and lime squeezed in. Very nice. It's way better than the whiskey and lime juice situation that you had going on last time. Yeah, I would agree. I would have. Mm. I would agree. I'm sorry that I did that. <laughs> that was offensive. Yeah. <laughs> to every culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was pretty bad. Um. So, what are we talking about today? And I'm asking you to because you've been giggling about the thought of this topic. For two years. <laughs> Yeah, we have been talking about this one in like between us for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we are doing all things horses. So uh, this is our horse girl episode. Um, this is for 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 all the girlies, for all the gays, all the all the folks who friggin' love and hate horses. This is for everyone. <laughs> That is pretty all-encompassing to we're, love or hate horses. <laughs> we're, were either of you, and I, I use this term gender neutrally, were you horse girls? No. I no, wasn't either, I think... but I knew horse girls. Oh, yeah. I knew yeah. horse girls. My sister is arguably a horse girl. Um, I mean, she had a horse, so I feel like that automatically makes you a horse girl. Um, yeah, but I would say that like Katie was like the the least horse girl horse girl. She mm-hmm. was like forced to acquire horse things, but only because um, people thought she wanted them. But she just really mm-hmm. liked riding horses. That means she kept the bedroom door shut while she was like playing with horse figurines, and maybe you just <laughs> didn't see it. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. I feel like uh, one of my deathbed regrets will be never having had a meaningful relationship with a horse. So I can understand not, the appeal. You're so young. <laughs> I'm not, I have no plans about horses. I have no interest right now. But when I'm about to die, I'll be like, damn. What if you, what I if mean, when I you love get old, riding horses. But it's what if fun. when you get older, you like Tony Soprano it? Because like Tony Soprano, famous horse girl. Oh, is he? Yeah, you I remember that, that, whole plot, that whole plot point where he was like obsessed with, I think it was like Richie had a horse or something. And he like got like that painting of him and a horse. 
<laughs> I did not get that far in the series. Okay, whatever. Tony Soprano's a horse girl. <laughs> um, did we all see the Barbie? Yeah. No, not yet. Oh, and I'll keep my but- mouth shut. Is, I mean, would it be? No, we can't tell especially... you. No. Okay. Mm-mm. Okay. It's, I appreciate it's not worth that. It. It's not worth we it. We can circle back. It's actually, it's actually actually like a pretty. It's actually a pretty big plot point. Um, Dang. Instead, okay. instead, we will talk about uh, that viral video that keeps going around, um, where the one guy keeps telling us about how Lord of the Rings is a horse girl movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They're all horse girls. It's accurate. It's accurate. Can we dive in a little deeper to what a horse girl is? What's this archetype about? I see someone put a uh, someone put like a fairly good definition in the oh. in the chat. If you want to read it, I, I cobbled a couple of definitions together because some were quite stigmatizing, <laughs> so yeah. I wanted it to be a little bit neutral. <laughs> um. So what I found on Urban Dictionary and in some other editorialized uh, pieces, uh, a horse girl is an awkward female preteen or teenager who's obsessed with horses. The individual doesn't have to ride horses, yet has a passion for horses and extensive knowledge of horses and horse media. (laughs) I have a question about horse media. Yes. Is anybody else getting weirdly targeted for the like hobby horse if you haven't look them up immediately i these people who do it are incredibly athletically athletic and skilled and my god it is the most hilarious thing i've ever seen in my entire life this means you have a horse girl in your intimate social network because that's how the algorithm works yeah who is it? You gotta, Do you know? You gotta name find names. them. <laughs> you know, maybe I shouldn't name drop. The, <laughs> Lisa's friend who's a horse girl, you know who you are, and we know who mm-hmm. you are. I wonder so how many of my friends are like, <laughs> I'm a horse girl. I'm dating a, my partner's a horse girl. Actually smashed one of their ribbons by accident. And then I insisted on putting their national champion <laughs> plaque up in the hallway. It's like a bronze horse head. And it makes Amy want to die. <laughs> so but also I kind of like you... love it. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Can you go over where I see you also have a definition of horse media? Yeah. I don't want to be to be that dead, you know, whatever. Uh, so horse media, any book, TV show, or movie portrayal revolving around a protagonist who is quote, not like other girls. <laughs> As she prefers to focus on her horse rather than, her appearance or other friends. I also put this definition together. <laughs> That's so funny. She's often an outcast who's the only one who can understand and control her horse. In contrast, the villain is often a rich girl who treats her horse badly and wins competitions despite being a bad rider. <laughs> and and you know what? That That's its own... It's like we all have a bit of a horse girl in us if we can relate to that sort of construct you know i don't believe there is a villain out there that is a horse girl who is mean to her horse yeah i don't believe that either i don't believe that for a second right I think she horse might be are weird about their horses she might be yeah mean but mm-hmm. not to her horse to everyone else but not to her horse 
so if they're if she's mean to the horse, is she therefore not a horse girl? Like not a true horse girl. I don't think she'd be a true. Yeah. So you can love a horse. <laughs> um, but maybe you're just use you're leveraging that relationship for personal gain and not out of <laughs> love of horse. No, I think if you <laughs> I think I, we like don't even need to be going this far into it. Um, I think to Lisa's point, it's like you could be a bitch to humans, but I think anyone involved in the horse world like legitimately loves their horse. I get that. Also, Mm -hmm. if you're a bad person, your horse will know and you will not get very far. I disagree. I think some horses have bad vibes. Bad politics? What did you say? They have bad vibes. I think some horses. Oh, bad vibes. Oh, yeah. Horses can have bad vibes too. Yeah. But like, I feel like then then those horses and the, the bad vibe people, they just. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, ring rays, horse girls. Horse girls, for yeah, sure. and their horses were okay. not cool, but they probably okay. loved each other. They loved yeah. each other. That was the thing that was most important. I mean, like literally the whole thing. Gandalf, horse girl, horse, huge horse girl, <laughs> famous, horse like the girl. biggest horse girl. Wow. Oh, Sam, horse girl, horse girl, Bill, Bill the pony. Yeah. Are you getting this from the books? Yeah. No, yeah. it's canon. Okay. No, I'm not saying in a canon way. I'm just saying. So we watched them the other day, and they don't really like. They do convey the that. Pony. They do build the pony a disservice in the movies. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Shadowfacts too. Shadowfacts has like his own backstory. But I feel like he's in the movies enough to be like, yeah, Gandalf's a horse girl. People get it. Yeah, like Gandalf is like just a a horse girl. Yeah. So this is a I Harry Potter the- podcast. Oh right, sorry. We Dude, take, this is Watcher we, Harry, a podcast where to be obsessive and slightly. <laughs> we took many weeks off. Also, in between episodes, we tried to record an episode where I made a very complicated game that did not oh, translate to this format. So, fun, but it was so fun. good and really fun and really. Did we very not visual. record anything after that? No. Oh, so funny. it's okay. been a long time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. hi, y'all. Excellent. Thanks for coming here. Not talking about Lord of the Rings. No. Um, uh, we have horses, this, really. Like, this <laughs> is a Lord of the Rings adjacent podcast. It's true. We're, it's true. we're pro Tom Bombadil. You know it. You, mm-hmm. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Um, yeah. I, um, it's, it, it is funny, though, that we are talking so much about horses because there's actually no like actual horses. <laughs> no horses. The the horse girl thing was more of a vehicle to get us to what right, we're talking right, about right. in the Harry Potter universe, but we've yeah. become very enthralled right now <laughs> with horses. It's fun. We have fun. We have fun. Any hoodles. If you're still here, uh, we could talk about magical creatures in Harry Potter. Sean, yeah. you want to take us away? Yeah. So we're actually going to talk about the three kind of horse adjacent things in harry potter which for uh us today are going to be centaurs unicorns and thestrals um we each uh kind of like our um like spooky monster episode if you guys remember that one from last year uh we each took a different one so we're going to kind of teach each other about these creatures in both you know folklore mythology and also in the harry potter world so who would like to start i could start because Thestrals are actually mostly just a JK creation. <gasps> yeah, but they do rule. 
They do rule. Yeah. Um, and I learned some cool things about vegetables, but I dug deep. I tried, I was on a lot of like, I was, I was on a Caleb deep dive trying to like get a little bit into yes. like Reddit and mm. like stack exchange, like just like what? random shit, just trying to see if like anybody was like, Oh, they kind of remind me of this. No, not That's really. Fantastic. A yeah. And nobody really has any grand theories of like how she came up with them or like why she came up with them or whatever. So this actually seems to be one of the few things that JK like really fully creatively just like divined, which is cool. That is cool. Cool. Um, so um, the closest thing in like, hu like human folklore that exists and it's not even close. And God, I don't know how to say this word. It's the McLavi, um, which is like a Scottish horse-like demon um, that is like, it's like a horse and human, but even that one doesn't really work because it's more of a uh, like water horse. So at it least sounds is that like a bad ass. Is that like a, a is what? that like a kelpie? No, it's not like a kelpie. Um, but I can understand the like comparison. Um, it's like I I think they they are kind of compared to kelpies, I guess. But I didn't do a lot of research into these because it wasn't really like yeah, it's not the same thing. thing. Yeah. But that was the closest thing I could come up with. Um, but mostly, um, I got everything that I got from just like the Harry Potter wiki site. Um, and things we know about Thestrals, right? So Thestrals are basically just like giant winged horses with just like a skeletal body. Um, they're essentially described as I have like the description was like um if he had to give them a name he supposed he would have called them horses though there was something reptilian about them they were completely fleshless their coats clinging to their skeletons of which every bone was visible their heads dragonish pupilless eyes white and staring wings sprouted from each wither vast black leathery wings that looked as though they ought to belong to giant bats standing still and quiet in the gathering gloom creatures looked eerie and sinister so cool um so mm -hmm. they're like quite cool um so they often get um we see in the first introduction of Hagrid or like with Hagrid to the class with them um that like Lavender and Parvati are like oh no but they're super unlucky and he, he's like no they're not that's just they have bad rep right um, what we really actually know about them is that they're like pretty harmless to humans. Um, they are, um, kind of just keep to themselves. Um, they're have a really dead accurate sense of direction. Um, they're incredibly efficient flyers. Um, they are carnivorous, which also could be another reason why. Um, and then the biggest thing is that they're invisible until you have seen death. Um, so one of the things that we know in this book is that in the fourth book, at the end of the fourth book, Harry witnesses Cedric Diggory die. And that is the reason why he can see Vestrals in the fifth book. We also know at the end of the fourth book, he can't see them. 
but then he can see them in the beginning of the fifth book. I'm going to say it took, I'm going to say the shock needed to wear off. So that's exactly what JK says. Um, so that is how she tried sure. to walk that back was that, well, he hadn't accepted Cedric's death yet, so he couldn't see them. Um, so, okie dokie. Um, so apparently you don't just see death and then you see Thestrals. So we can then infer that this was not part of the long-term plan. We can. Okay, that's, uh, I think it was a that's cool, cool. Yeah, I think it was a cool thing that she dreamed up and she was like, actually, I like this. Let's add it in. Um, yeah. And like, it's clear that she always had, like, right, the horseless carriages have always been there, um, but they haven't, I don't think she had a plan for them until she had a plan for them. And I, cool. I do, Essentially. I really, I mean, I, I like Thestrals in general because I like creepy macabre things um but i i really actually do like the backstory of them and how they play into harry's own kind of maturation through death in this way um because i think the fifth book is so much about grief and like yeah. these kids trying like having to grow up really quickly and deal with um with with this grief um that just keeps getting worse and i think they are a kind of weird and beautiful way of showcasing that Mm -hmm. totally and i think that like it's it's one of the things that i think really draws the main six together um is like one of the reasons that like luna and neville feel closer to harry is because all three of them can see it and none of the others can um Mm -hmm. and i think that like it's their their grief and their loss is what draws those six together more than any other group of friends at Hogwarts. Um, and I think that like, that's why you like, once they really start forming that like band of six, I think everybody's like, I think everybody likes the main characters more. <laughs> yeah. In general. Um, but yeah, so they are, um, they're carnivorous. Um, so they are, easily attracted by the sound like the smell of blood um and like so that's a call that they are they can come to so they have really incredible senses of direction um and senses of smell um they can also understand human speech um in any language it would seem um it's just part of their not magical makeup um because part of their senses of direction um it means that you could just tell them where to go and they'll know how to get there Hmm. so Hmm. if i was like take me to Cliff's ice cream, they would take me there. Um, and they would know exactly how to get there. Um, Lisa, is it that, does, are the Thestrals at Hogwarts, are they the only domesticated herd in Great Britain? Is that, that's a Hagrid in thing, right? theory, that's what Hagrid has said. Yeah, he okay. thinks so. Um, and he he's probably right, um, especially considering like most folks, a lot of folks can't see them. Um, it would take a very specific kind of person, a Hagrid type of person, who would mm. even think that that's a good idea. Um, Cause as we have talked about in our deep dive Hagrid episode, Hagrid is the type to see the good in everything. Um, and so he can kind of look beyond the macabre and the, the like the unluckiness of their situation um, and just be really the like the, 
the beautiful things about them. Like they're herd animals and they, um, they're pack animals. So they live in big family units and they like, they're not solitary creatures. Um, so they're very social. Um, and they're just, you know, they're, they're good little guys. Yeah. They're like big vultures. Yeah. Clean up the forest floor. I wonder if Hagrid can see them because he saw his dad die. Yeah. I think there, there's also for these students who can see them or like can't see them in the beginning, but you know, can see them later. If there is some sort of like sense of friendship or community there, both like with each other and then with the thrustrolls themselves. Mm. I bet. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's also, and I think it's also really interesting that it's very clear that it's just human death that makes you see them. Because otherwise, all of the kids probably be able to see them. You know, yeah. all kids have killed a bug, um, you know, at some point in their lives. So it's a very specifically like human death. Um, That's so interesting. Just thinking about if that was like an actual wild creature, like why the magic would function that way. Like, that's just an interesting relationship to think about um yeah like they can seem to discern between the two like spiritual connections yeah and i'm i've been thinking about how after the battle of hogwarts like everyone's gonna be able to see them right (laughs) yeah and i bet that could go a long way for destigmatizing the thestral lisa is it did it say on like pottermore or wiki or whatever was that you were looking at that it it is like a it has to be a human death no it's something more that i'm discerning um because i'm curious if it's like i would be curious if it's less a matter of like you saw a human death and more that like you experience the intense grief with watching like something you love die so like Mm. if you did lose like a beloved pet or something like that like would that grief also give you the ability to like is it actually is it in the grief that comes with losing something to death as opposed to just like witnessing death interesting right and that's a that's a point that i that's something that i thought of as well um but even still with that i think that there would be more yeah students who could see them yeah i think it would be i I think it would be more common um because a lot of a lot of people have seen a pet die or seen something that is not human die that has caused them great amounts of grief. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I think non like seeing non-human death at a younger age is fairly common. Um, And I think that there would be more, and that's the reason I came up with it has to be human death Mm -hmm. um, conclusion, though it's not explicitly stated. Well, okay, hold on. It's could lavender Brown see him. No. Then no, because she lost her bunny in the third year. Yeah, but she didn't lose. She didn't see her bunny die. It oh, has she to didn't be like witness. No, you're right. Yeah, witness. Uh, and that is also in the books, right. So you have to like see it happen. The Thestral didn't exist yet during the writing. Of <laughs> yeah, the you're right. Book. No, you're right. That's actually what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Well, that's like. I'm, I've been looking at pictures of them. They kind of look like greyhounds to me right now. And I am feeling yeah, very tender kind of toward true. them. Like, and so I wonder if part of the magic is like, you lost something 
and they sense that it's time to like reveal and they're like so intuitive and intelligent and they're like you gain like a connection with this beautiful creature it's an interesting magic Mm -hmm. and they're so chill like they summon them and then they're like okay we're gonna get on your backs now and they're like all right (laughs) like where are we going chick-fil-a it's hype yeah let's let's go (laughs) um (laughs) one of the interesting things that i did see um that i did not know this is clearly an addition after the fact um and this did not make it into our wand lore episode um (laughs) just curious um but evidently a thestral tail hair um is the core of the elder wand what really wow that's really interesting that is that is from the horse's mouth so to speak (laughs) how many horse puns can we get going we've got that might be horse cliches number two yeah Wow, interesting. That is the only thing that I'm miffed with in the in the lore because I just don't. No, it's like one Kayla of those like no. after the fact sprinkled in yeah. things, but it's I all don't good. Hate it. I don't hate it. I will say, but I'm here to say not canon. If if we don't all agree, you know. Hmm. What do you think, Sean? You know, I'm trying to remember. I took back and listened to our Wandler episode because we did talk like extensively about the Elder. We wand. did, and we did not yeah. say anything about this. I don't remember saying anything about this. And if we did, whatever. Maybe just we're old and our memories are fading. Mm-mm. I I like no. the idea of it for sure. I think it tracks. But also, I think it still aids the idea that Vestrals are dark and stormy creatures. And they are a little dark and stormy, but like in a cute way. Well, it's like, it's is that a being... Grey's Anatomy reference? It is now. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> Meredith's dark and stormy. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I think even Hagrid says, he's like, people think they're scary, but they're not scary. It's just that they're associated with death, which people think is scary. Um, right. But it's. So it would it would make sense for them to be like connected with a hollow, um, theoretically. Yeah. But you're right, because like the whole point of the Elder Wand though is it is a it is like violent by nature. It's not something that's been like perverted. Like the Elder Wand is violent. Mm-hmm. Correct. And so mm-hmm. I don't necessarily love the idea of like Thestrals being connected with something like that. Mm-hmm. Like a Thestral connected to like the Resurrection Stone would make more sense to me, or like the or like the Invisibility Cloak, honestly. Oh yeah, good connection. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Well, jury's out. Yeah. I don't know. But um, basically, um, Thestrals are just little spooky boys, and uh, they're just misunderstood. And yeah. they're you sh- if you see one, definitely give it a little pat, mm-hmm. a little kiss right on the snoot. Well, good work, Lisa. I like that you did a deep dive. Thank you. I tried my very best. Um, uh, I would also, if we're not talking about them today, should I wait for my honorable mention until the end? 
Yeah. Okay. Then I'll, I'll keep it to myself. Don't forget. All right. Caleb, unicorn or, oh, well, Lisa choose unicorns or centaurs next. Um, I would like to hear about unicorns. Oh, righty. I had some fun with this. Lisa, I assume you're not in the dock. Nope, never am. No need to be. Um, I got myself into the right state of mind by looking up Lisa Frank unicorns and what They're I found the, was I can picture it gorgeous. Exactly. Just so majestic. So um what do you think of Lisa specifically? Because you're not looking at this picture. When I say unicorns, just des- describe them for me. Okay. Um, I'm picturing like a silvery, metallic y bright coat. Um uh with like sweeping, like luscious white hair and tail. Um, kind of like ethereal, like just like glowing, um, with uh like a you know, a narwhal horn just right out the middle of the of the forehead. Um nailed it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think for most of the folks tuning into a Harry Potter podcast it's the safe bet that that is what they picture as well, because the image of the Western and European unicorn is very much that we have the white horse with a singular horn coming from the middle of their head kind of seems like the only real difference between a unicorn and a horse is that singular horn. And maybe they're like glittery or whatever. Uh, But I learned in my research that, there were many, many different types of unicorns in, like, the global, in the history of the world. Uh, coming like a from... black bear. What? Like a black bear. I don't understand. Black bears can be black, brown, white, blonde. Lots of different, bluish black. Lots of different colors of black bears, not just black. Are you, like right. an, out, are you an outdoor educator? Nope. <laughs> Sound like one. No. Um, but yeah, kind of like that. Um, <laughs> so, so what I learned is that there were so many different legends um, and so many different cultures had some variation of a unicorn uh, that people just believed that they were real for hundreds and hundreds of years, like a massive game of telephone. So the the white unicorn, as I said, um, that comes from the Middle Ages and the Renaissance period. Um, We have a description of a wild woodland creature who is seen as a symbol of purity and grace. And this legend held that they could only be captured by a virgin um it was widely believed that only women could capture them um and we can make connections between how women are portrayed to be like pure and sweet and kind and docile uh, as are unicorns so unicorns would not be caught by men mostly by women um but we see unicorns appearing as early as the Mesopotamian era. So they're captured in like drawings and renderings from that time. Um, And they're also referred to in ancient myths of India and China and Northern Africa. 
Um, and the European unicorn has its roots in the Middle East. Uh, while we see some pretty different, like horse-like creatures out of Chinese lore. Uh, so have either of you heard of the Kirin? No. So I have a picture of it in the show notes. It's a very beautiful horse-like creature, and it's got two antlers. Uh, it's got like some scales, kind of like some parts of a dragon, kind of looks like it's on fire. Looks it's pretty really cool. Another thing about it is it also just like looks like a deer. So <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. Who knows <laughs> where, you know, who knows where all these things originated. There are some animals that have one horn coming out of their forehead. Name Narwhals. them for me. Narwhals. What else? What Narwhals. Else? Babies. That's it. That's all I know. Rhinoceroses. Oh, well, they have like two, eh? <laughs> they got one big one and then like the tiny little one underneath. Okay. But I see what you're yeah, saying. You're, you're right. I mean, agree to disagree. Um, so they're on their forehead. That, they're on their snoots. Is that for real? <laughs> As I move my stylus from my forehead to my Yeah, snoot. they're like here. It's like here. It's on their snoot. Well, they got What's one horn sticking out of their face. I'm yeah. glad that we had this conversation because if I had to draw one from memory, it would have been directly out of the middle of its forehead. Interesting. Uh, I would like to see you draw a rhino. <laughs> That's in the next round of the <laughs> Harry Potter drinking game. So we have animals that actually have horns and antlers. We have the narwhal, which has the singular horn out of the middle of its head. We have the rhino that has the big horn and little horn out of its snoot. We have elephants Who's that have say? tusks. That, Who's to say? Sense. Right. I mean, fuck if I know. Uh, but we saw, like, from global lore, this convergence of all these different descriptions of animals coming together into different combinations. Um, as trade became more global, these stories spread. So we had stories from the East, from Asian lore we had stories from northern africa stories from india um and then stories from europe like commingling and um as i said before people just started to think like yeah that checks out like that guy also said that thing marco polo he <laughs> like documented unicorns and then upon further examination, someone was like, that was definitely a rhinoceros. Like he described it like, like a giant creature. They were like, that's not a unicorn. But other people looked at that and they were like, see, but that that's corroborates. that's really cute. Yeah, they're like, see, that corroborates our unicorn theory. Um, it's what we call he's a, right. a false flag. I'm reading about conspiracy theories right now. Um, okay, so we've got uh, the unicorn we think of as having a white coat but some early authors and artists described it as yellowish red or even brown. Um, the unicorns we know and love on our Lisa Frank folders have a horse's body. Um, they've got the cloven hooves like a goat, but I also wanted to mention that some early renderings of unicorns were just straight up goat bodies with unicorn horns, which I prefer. I don't know. So just kind of like, you unit unihorned mountain goats. Unihorned mountain goats, yes. That's kind of um, cute. That is pretty badass. Uh yeah. they had beards, tails of lions, uh, but some descriptions included tails of horses, goats, or boars. 
that picture of the Kirin I just showed you, it had like a dragon tail. So um, kind of a hodgepodge of different animals put together. Also wanted to mention that there are, there's a, okay. The Christian unicorn connection. Sean, can you tell me anything about it? Do you know anything about Christianity and unicorns? Not really. I know what you're saying. And actually, as you were starting to talk about this, I was trying to remember what like the church's connection to unicorns are, but it's it's not something I'm super well versed in. Yeah, I I found some connections between um, just like paintings from the Renaissance. Sure. And- yeah, they would definitely. I mean, I think it it might also just be a matter of like, Renaissance art was really religious and that's where these yeah. were showing up. But um, that um, famous tapestry, the unicorn, the unicorn captivity, tapestries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I went to see that it's in the cloisters mm-hmm. in New York, uh, which is owned by the Met. But that is largely religious, like almost all oh, religious yeah. artwork there. But they do have a whole room of the the unicorn tapestry. So there is it some is- connection very cool okay. it's like very cool to go see it's like the really tapestries cool. are like incredibly beautifully woven and they're mm-hmm. huge they're so big wow. and they tell like a full story i think there's like eight or nine yeah panels. there's like there's, there's a bunch there's more wow. than just the, the one everybody the ones that knows cloisters. yeah yeah it's like but yeah yeah but i think the ones at the cloisters are, are they the full set or i think it's the full set I, okay yeah but yeah there's like eight or nine tapestries that can encompass the whole thing it's like yeah quite cool that sounds. I would love to see that. It's really, um, it's really cloisters, neat to see in person. The this cloisters is now amazing. Pro, this is now a pro cloisters podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, they could they sponsor us now. Um, and coming buzz to balls. you, uh, <laughs> cloisters buzz and buzzballs buzz buzz exclusively. <laughs> um, but yeah, the cloisters is awesome. Uh, the cloisters is I think it's like twenty five bucks for admission or something like that. It's like a hundred percent worth it. Um, I fell asleep on a bench there once with my dad. Oh, it's because it's also in like this beautiful park. Like the ne- the next mm-hmm. time we were all in the same place on the East Coast, we should take a trip up to New York and go to the Cloisters. That'd be great. Yeah, it's Discount very fun. Watcher Harry. <laughs> we'll yeah. record, um, record live from the Cloisters. Get your yeah. tickets to the Cloisters today. Uh, enter <laughs> promo code. Pro- promo code not for children. <laughs> not for um, kids. So. I, I think that connection, Sean, like you said, a lot of Renaissance art was very biblical. Um, mm. And so we have like this crossover between religious art. I mean, ver- I don't know what I'm talking about. Jen's kicking him. <laughs> Any hoodles, art historians <laughs> have long made the connection between like unicorns and Christ uh, or unicorns being considered a symbol for Christ based on like the purity of them something Christ, like that famous horse girl jesus christ, christ is the famous. jesus the original horse girl i i just Mesopotamia know it was before jesus so christ whatever um the properties of the horn so I, I will get into harry potter in just a second um the properties of the unicorn horn were long seen to be medicinal or magical or purifying which is so funny because like that had to be a black market because there are no unicorns. <laughs> so well, some of them are narwhal horns because if you've seen yes. like um we think of of unicorns in more modern interpretations of having like a very like manageable size horn. 
But if mm-hmm. you look at like, so for instance, that tapestry, that horn's fucking massive. Yeah. Narwhals, baby. They And they were all narwhal horns. How did they narwhals. get those horns? Not, yeah. I guess um, they wash up just like anything else sometimes. It's a good call. I bet they were very valuable. Like I understand, and I understand why like Great Britain especially was able to find these horns as like evidence because I mean that's where narwhals like they live up in the Arctic, right? That's like the only place that right, they live. Like, so it would make they're, they're very cold, cold water. water. Um, so it would make sense that they keep getting these things, and they're like, like I wouldn't be shook if like Nova Scotia also has it, <laughs> you know, like just like yeah. random things of like, oh look at all these nor- narwhal horns. Yeah. Um, I learned in my research that horns in general were seen as having medicinal properties. And so yeah. that comes from many cultures. I pulled this story about um, a monastery uh, in Spain that gave a white rhinoceros horn to a dying pope to save him. And uh, he died. <laughs> it didn't save him, but they tried. So, like, it people like really believed in the medicinal properties of horns, and so unicorn horns were believed to have like even more powers. Now, where do we see this in Harry Potter? Why is this relevant? Harry Potter, Quirinus Quirrell. Yeah, yeah, Voldemort. So we're Voldemort. Inter- we're introduced to Harry Potter, or I'm sorry, we're introduced to unicorns in Philosopher's Stone in a pretty important way. It's pretty important to the plot. And then we f- we see unicorns like a couple more times throughout the series, but they're sort of just like a fun feature. Okay. So in the Harry Potter world, just like in our world, unicorns are considered to be an iconic creature of magic. Um, and... I found just this little sentence on the Harry Potter wiki um, that I loved because I love the IRL crossover with Harry Potter world stuff. Um, But unicorns are believed to be one of the worst kept secrets of the wizarding world because all the muggles know about them. That's cute. I like (laughs) that. Yeah, it's cute. Uh, So I bet Lisa Frank was at least a half-blood. And a huge horse girl. Huge horse girl. She's still with us, right? Uh, yeah, I think Lisa so. Frank. I can't imagine why not. I hope so. Hope you're doing um, well. Also, I hope assume there's like lots Frank. of psychedelics. I, I hope that as well. Um, all right. Unicorns. The the Harry Potter lore completely mirrors the, the like Western medieval yeah. unicorn lore. So they're seen as very pure. They're seen as having healing properties, uh, specifically here in their blood. I don't, I don't know if they talk about healing properties of horns mm-hmm. in Harry Potter, but I think we get references you. that you can use them in potions. Mm-hmm. So very magical. Um, they inhabit the forests of Europe, including the Forbidden Forest. We don't hear about them in the Forbidden Forest beyond the first book, uh, but we do see them in care of magical creatures classes for a couple more times in the rest of the and series. And he says he catches them in the forest. Mm-hmm. That's just so fun. Uh, so they're fast and hard to catch. Um, Harry asks if it could have been... So in the first book, 
they had a unicorn turn up injured. It had been injured so badly by someone drinking its blood that it died. And so naturally, what does Hagrid do? He takes a bunch of first year children into the forest, uh, partly unaccompanied to find Mm -hmm. whoever's killing them. Harry asks him if it could be a werewolf doing it. And Hagrid says, no, that uh, unicorns are too fast for werewolves to catch them. So, what, so again, I got to go back to werewolves. The yeah. fuck do they think men are just running around the forbidden forest at all hours of the night? I mean, this boy has no context. <laughs> but I, I like but that. Nobody corrects him. Like, <laughs> yeah. No one corrects him. They're like, yeah, there's just a whole band of human beings just roaming around the forbidden forest. Nobody talks about them. It's really fucking weird. I want to see all the highlights of Harry's cultural incompetence that should have been so embarrassing, but no one and no one helped. Nobody him. ever acknowledged them. They were like, mm, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My God. Um, okay, so beyond the scene with Coral and Voldemort, so mm. Voldemort was drinking his blood to stay alive. I mean, what what else can you all think of of? unicorns playing a role in the plot um they uh when he sees them it's like creates a big uh like it's a huge plot point with the like Hagrid Grubbly Plank or mm-hmm. yeah like fight um because Grubbly Plank brings in a like an adult unicorn to class and then teaches a lot and her mind is like well that was quite a good lesson um, and then Hagrid comes back. He's like, "Fucking fine, we'll talk about unicorns." And he brings a bunch of babies, and they're golden. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Babies don't like the babies don't mind the boys so much, so that they could all see them." Um, and yeah. then, um, and then of course their hair. Their hair. About their hair in the wand lore. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Um, I think it's very funny just to compare Hagrid's style as a teacher with Grubbly Plank's style as a teacher where he's bringing them um, hippogriffs and thestrals and blast-ended scroots, which is badass cool shit, and Grubbly Plank is like, oh my god, you're awful with children. Just give yeah. them unicorns. So the the, the blast-ended scroots, not not, not okay. Not no, okay. yeah, you're, you're right, you're right. No, but the uh, other's good. The other stuff's well, great. And like, even Harry and Ron remark about Hagrid being like, well, it's clear that Hagrid knows just as much about unicorns as he does about dangerous creatures. And it's also clear he's just not that excited about it. <laughs> yeah, they're boring to him. Um, so yeah, you mentioned the wand course. So unicorn tail hails, tail hairs tail are used, tail hails are used in wand oh. course. They're known to produce the most consistent magic, but also not considered to be very powerful ones. And uh, I read that they're prone to melancholy if they're mishandled, and they're not great at producing dark magic. Cedric's so, core was unicorn. Caleb, did right? you have unicorn? I don't remember. Hmm. I don't think so. I had Ron's wand. Yeah, then you you did. Okay. Did his wow. second wand have it too? I know the one from Percy did because it was like sticking out. Yeah, he got a new one. And his his new one, I think, was Willow and no. I don't remember, but it was uh 
It was definitely a unicorn because it wasn't Dragon Heartstring and it yeah. wasn't Phoenix. Because Harry's was always like, he's the only one with a Phoenix Dungeon, which just can't be true. Uh, it seems like most students had unicorn or dragon heartstring. I think after two years of therapy, I might change my wand because I, I feel like I feel like um, I feel like I can be a little bit, you know, I can reach beyond the unicorn core, perhaps. You're not a, not as melancholy when mishandled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to write that down. Just as your, it's your new Instagram thing. Not as melancholy as <laughs> Yes. I love that. Um, <laughs> okay. So I already touched on this, but there's a lot of healing properties with unicorn byproducts, which I don't like to think about the byproducts of unicorns because that makes me sad. Um, well, what like, do we think why... about the, what do we think about the out products of unicorns? Like what do they do with poop. their poo? I bet it is. Um, Do you think they just poop out like Skittles and you can just. You know, it's like that's a that's a reach that I would like to make. But the reach I would prefer to make is like it's like nutrient rich compost. You can just pick it up and like. <laughs> yeah. Like take a bite out of it like an apple. Yeah, it's like so fertile. Well, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about yeah. just now. So. Oh, I was talking about shit. <laughs> Any hoodles. Uh It's like weird that it's uh, such a crime against nature to kill a unicorn, mm. drink its blood for immortality. But yet we're going to like make all these potions that have unicorn horns as ingredients. Or can a unicorn regrow its horn? Do they shed I, them the way that I like deer will shed, shed antlers? Them. Do they? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm showing. And Hagrid collects. Ignorance. Yeah, and and Hagrid collects their tail and mane hair because they just like okay. get snagged on trees. Okay. And he so says that it's tracks. really good for like magical bandages. Oh my gosh. Okay. Good. I feel better. That tracks. They shed the horns. Whatever. But you're not supposed to drink the blood. Do uh, it. What if they offer it to you? What if they're standing next to you and they're like, drink it, drink it, drink it. Like a vampire? <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> the opposite. Well, no, but you know right. how like vampire, like you can like drink vampire blood and then like you become a vampire? Maybe. Do you become a, if a, if a unicorn forces you to drink their blood, <laughs> you, you become, become a unicorn. unicorn. <laughs> that old YouTube video with Carl, was that a unicorn? Carl! Charlie. <laughs> Charlie. Charlie. That's that's what is coming to mind strongly. Carl is the llamas with hats. Oh. Yeah. They're Charlie like, the unicorn. Like, you can't eat people, Carl. Why did you do that? Carl, Carl that's murder, Carl. <laughs> see, I just see that was like an amalgamation of different lores coming together <laughs> into a unicorn. So that's well, all I can YouTube. And <laughs> it is like, I'm convinced that when we're all on our deathbeds and our brain stems are firing off the last messages, it'll just be <laughs> E-bomb world videos. Say. Oh, 100%. <laughs> it's going to be the ding fries are done video. <laughs> Teen girl squad. <laughs> our poor great-grandchildren. Anyway, that's unicorns. Hope I covered it. <laughs> I... You nailed it. I learned a lot. Thanks, I did too. Thank you. I found the global and historical stuff 
to be way beyond my fried out brain. That makes sense. I bet that's like really cool. I want to learn more about these Kirans. I'm now officially on the dock so that I could see a picture of them. And I'm obsessed with this picture. I, it's, pretty sexy. it's like pretty awesome. I, they remind me of, um, did either of you watch, um, Avatar or Korra or Korra? Avatar, no. yeah. The, well, in the, I think it's the second season of Korra. They spend a lot of time in this like spirit realm. Um, and this is a cool little dude who kind of looks like they'd be in the spirit world. Nice. It's very it's aesthetically coming. like pleasing. Yeah. A couple of episodes. I am curious to learn some more about centaurs. Uh, Sean, I feel like was assigned centaurs um, because Sean has a visceral hatred of centaurs. Yes, I was. <laughs> I, I did centaurs for my sins. Um, I do not. I, I've been vocal about my dislike of centaurs on this podcast before. I think they're really annoying um, and I don't really like them. So I I did agree to do them here so I could like spend more time with them and try to like them better. I don't really like them any better, but I, they do make some choices that I think are interesting. So centaurs, um, they are half man, half horse. So they're known as composite creatures. So it's like a creature that's made of a composite you know, creatures. Yeah. Of like a bunch of different types of things. Like Avatar again. Just like Avatar. Like a, like a turtle deck. Um. So, Caleb, kind of similar to what you ran into with unicorns, like there are versions of centaurs that have been found around the world um, as far back as like kind of like Bronze Age. There have been some things that may or may not be centaurs, but what really we know them from the most is Greek mythology. Um, so there's a couple of different origin stories because it's Greek mythology. It all stems from some sort of weird sex thing. Um, uh, so one of the more popular myths about their origin is that centaurs are said to be born of, I'm going to butcher all these names. I'm really sorry. Um, Ixion or Zion, who was a mortal king and Nepheli, who was a cloud nymph. Um, this mortal king lusted after Hera, who was the wife of Zeus. Um, and so as punishment, uh, or to kind of trick him, Zeus had Nepheli assume the shape of Hera um, and then have sex with this king. And then centaurs were born from this union of a mortal king and this like cloud nymph thing. So that's one legend. Um, Another version of that. Yes. So another version of that is exactly what I said. But instead of like actually having a centaur, they had a son um, called Centaurus who then had sex with horses, which then created oh. centaurs. I've heard that one. I haven't heard the first one. Okay. Um, and then there is another myth that basically said Zeus created centaurs um, essentially just by coming on the ground in Cyprus. <gasps> wow. So, mm-hmm. you know. Strong swimmers. That's, that is. Wow. That's where they come from. I don't know. One of those. Yeah. Centaurs um, also like play such a big role in like uh, I don't know why they took it away from Chiron, who is the like teacher of Hercules, but they gave it to uh, what's his butt, what's his butt, Philatides, to this... Danny DeVitti. 
uh, who was uh, Danny DeVitti. Who was a Danny DeVitti. He was a satyr, right? Yeah, not a centaur. Yeah. Um, but like Chiron is the teacher of like Hercules and uh, Achilles, yep. um, and a couple of the other heroes. But for some reason, the Disney movie decided to go with satyr Philoctetes instead of centaur Chiron, which I think is such an interesting choice. Yeah. So from I, I was going to mention um, Chiron. So he is the most famous of the centaurs and was always sort of um, always a little bit apart from the rest of them in myth. So Chiron was called the and I quote the wisest and justice of all the centaurs. Um, I found a little bit of conflicting about what heroes that he he trained. Um, I saw some accounts that said he trained Hercules, others that said he didn't, but he definitely trained Achilles and and Jason. So he was a mentor to some of like the most major heroes in Greek myth. Um, but besides him, centaurs were generally thought to be wild, lawless, and really brutal creatures. Um, so for the Greeks, they symbolized basically the opposite of civilization. So they lived in the wilderness. They were not friendly towards humans. They they were really this sort of wild other type of character. Um, there has been, at, you know, at least one account of them assaulting women, attempting to carry off a king's bride. So they were very much like not, not cool things um they were uh we mostly think of them as being male and a lot of the legends are male centaurs um some later myths do include female centaurs but a lot of the early ones they, they are mostly male um probably what about again, the fantasia centaurs i was about they're, to say yeah because they're really uh, cute I'm, right they're really adorable they're yeah. the they're you know just they're so cute they're so cute but not in Greek myth. They they are not they are not chill. Um, so that is the the myth that Harry Potter is is playing with. So in Harry Potter itself, I'm going to quote from Pottermore here. Um, centaur centaurs were mystical beings who were able to read the movements of the night sky in order to divine the future, making them talented seers. Also skilled in archery, healing magic, divination, and astronomy. Centaurs were highly intelligent and proud beings who saw themselves as superior to dull-witted humans. Um, and that's really largely how we see them in the books. They are annoying astrology girls all the time. They drive me crazy. They're always saying stuff like, Mars is bright tonight. You're like, mm. fuck you. That's not helpful. Tell me something helpful. Hate <laughs> what do you hate most about centaurs? That it's that it's it's their like the astrology woo woo like planet shit in the books. Yeah. Okay. Fair. So that I respect I, that take. That I find What's really your annoying. Favorite thing about centaurs? I am gonna I'm gonna tell you right now. Um, this Aww. was something that I learned in doing this research. Um, so this is a quote from Harry Potter lexicon. The centaurs were invited to be classified as beings and play a role in wizarding governance, but have chosen instead to be classified as beasts by the ministry and do not take part in governing at all. So then I went down this rabbit hole because I wasn't really familiar with the difference between like beast and being and what this meant in the Harry Potter world. So 
Um, the three classifications uh, for create for anything in this world are beast, being, and spirit. So being are any creatures that have sufficient intelligence to understand the laws of the magical community and to bear a part, uh, bear part of the responsibility in shaping these laws. Um, so that would be like goblins and vampires and, and house elves, um, werewolves when they're in their human form. So these things that do have some sort of like, quote unquote, like human-like intelligence where, and I think it's, really kind of like badass that centaurs just like hate humans so much that they were like fuck your government fuck your laws like yeah you can call us beasts we don't give a shit like we don't want anything to do with your civilization and i think that's yeah. really cool they the opted libertarians out. of the magical community they're like kind of more like anarchists though i know yeah <laughs> which they is could cool. see they could they just want to be see they knew what the fuck would happen if they got involved. They were like, we don't want social security numbers. We want to go. They know <laughs> what happens when Mars looks bright tonight. Yeah. yeah it's not good. And I mm -hmm. like, I do res I respect that. I think that's cool. And I respect that. That is, that yeah. makes me like them more. Agreed. I like, yeah, they're lawless by human standards, but they have like a moral code and they, are very and loyal. Quite un, they're quite, they're like quite lawful in their like own community. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I I would say they're like to give them like a like an alignment, like like a lawful neutral. Mm. Um, they also remind me, even though I would not count these characters as being lawful neutral, like they almost remind me of like the people who live beyond the wall in Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. they're just sort of like. Yeah, totally. Yeah, what you're I doing, like accurate. we're doing our own thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that's kind that of that feels cool. like an accurate comparison. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, literally, they went so far as to try to kill Ferenz for trying to uh, help a human boy. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, like they're still, again, they're they're not necessarily great characters. So the we know that there are there is a herd that lives in the Forbidden Forest. Um, we don't personally meet many so there's about four um ronan bane Ferenz, and megorian who we like who actually sort of speak in the books and we have some sort of interaction with uh Ferenz is the one we we know the best um so Ferenz, uh to remind you he is the the centaur that saves harry from quarrel in the forbidden forest um and the other uh centaurs are like really pissed at him one because he lets harry like ride on his back and they're like you're not a horse you're not a beast of burden like you don't let humans treat you this way which i get like respect i under i understand that mm -hmm. um but they're also just really mad because they say we don't get involved in human affairs they want they do not care about any of this shit that's going on they're like we don't we're not a part of this like we are a separate society and you are meddling with things you shouldn't be meddling with um so this gets worse for friends um uh, in later books when he agrees to teach divination in Hogwarts and he is at that point completely banished by the centaur colony he is is pretty badly beat up by them um he lives as an outcast so he has to straddle this kind of weird thing where he is in the wizarding world but he's clearly an outsider there and he is for a long time not welcome back into the herd um so I I do I feel bad for him hmm. 
that's a sad position to have. Um, my question to you two is one of the things friends is most famous for is that all of the girls at Hogwarts did want to fuck him. And I'm curious if you think you are a Hogwarts students, like how would you, what would your feelings of friends have been? All right. So while you stepped away for a moment, I what? asked Lisa if you would bring up his dick. <laughs> <laughs> or like centaur dick in general. And like you kind of did. So yeah, so we go. win. I knew it would happen. That was like my challenge for me to not bring it up. So thank you for bringing it up. Uh, yeah, I'd be all about it. I'd be like, uh, I mean, come on, you kind of have this like hot shirtless teacher, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, like how bright is Uranus tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think I would have, even though I am on record of not liking centaurs and not really liking horses. I think I would have been really yeah. weird about friends. Honestly, also because it's like someone who is so teachers, professors already hot because like you're not supposed to want them and they're you're yeah, not allowed. Yeah, yeah. And like this is like to the umpteenth. He's like a horse. <laughs> you're like really extra. You're like really not supposed to want him. So I think it would be like it would be all green flags for me. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how you could actually resist it, to be quite honest. I'm also I don't know me as like a 16 year old girl. And I absolutely would not have been cool about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. totally. I mean, especially when you're 16 and you're like, OK, I'm supposed to like a certain type of person, but I don't mm -hmm. really like that kind of person. But like a human person, I'm going to yeah. just I'm going to instead just lust after the thing that I cannot have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Like this, yeah. this horse guy. Like yeah. horse. And he's all like talking about the planets and stuff that doesn't mean anything real. Planets and shit, like, you know? It's all bullshit <laughs> anyway. And I'm like, yeah, just tell me about Mars. I don't care. Yeah. I I don't know. It's to me, the astrology stuff is less annoying with centaurs because it is their like centuries long tradition and they're not just like a white girl who downloaded Instagram. But Want him to tell me what my birth chart is. Mm -hmm. What time were you born? <laughs> That's all I know. I don't know. I would, tell, I can't I would even, tell him. I can't even name all. <laughs> oh of my the, god! Uh, if he, if imagine if you just like asked you what time you were born, and you just like know uh, what to do with that information. <laughs> Whatever time you want me to have been born. <laughs> That's the right time. Uh, That's the right time. Born sometime yeah. between midnight and noon on either end. <laughs> <laughs> on either end. And that is the title of your memoir, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that so friends is our our main centaur in these books. I would say our one other more notable um moment with the centaurs comes in Order of the Phoenix. Um when Dolores Umbridge is taken by the centaurs. So uh, Harry and Hermione, or her, really just Hermione, sort of lure her into the forest where she knows the centaurs are going to be. Um, and the centaurs are obviously pissed that these wizards are kind of encroaching on their territory. Uh, Dolores Umbridge calls them like a slur, which they're very mad about. And they mm -hmm. basically like 
kidnap her and take her into the forest. Um, there, I did always find it very weird. I read this as there is like some sort of suggestion of like assaults of of a sexual nature or definitely of a physical nature. Um, I just, I just always read that as they just like really just beat the shit out of her. I think, I think they hate. I think because her. the, um, the centaur myth is a little bit murky. They, they are a little bit more like rapey. Mm-hmm. If it, you know, I don't. Weird. I, I doubt that that is where J.K. was trying to bring it, though. Maybe not. I just think it's a. I just think it's. It was always. A, it read a little strange to me. Yeah, that's fair. I think the subtext is there based on the lore, like you said. And I agree with you, Lisa. I don't think she would want to lead that horse to the water in that way. Oh! But like, <laughs> um, I think it's there for the reader to wrap their heads around. But I don't think it's meant to be like that. So the only thing I will say in that, like, I I do have. I really do believe she is aware of what the the myths are um for sure so I do think she would have known that this was the implication there um yeah obviously a little bit different but like a lot of sort of like horse goat like human composite creatures are um in mythology known for being really lustful or really yeah. sexual in some way um to the point that when when C.S. Lewis wrote Mr. Tumnus in the Chronicles of Narnia, who I think is is like a goat human, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Tolkien actually was like kind of pissed at him because, uh, or I guess maybe he's a satyr. Oh, he's a fawn. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's a fawn. Um, because fawns did have a reputation in mythology as being like really like sexual creatures. So to have this like really sexual creature interacting with this little girl for Tolkien was like a really weird, uncomfortable thing to do. Oh, Hmm. interesting. So, so I do, I I do think that like, if she was, um, if she didn't know this reading was going to be there, I would say she was either naive or like extremely did not do even the bare minimum of research into mythology. Yeah. I mean, we know that that's also possible. It's also possible. And likely. (laughs) Totally. And it could be one of those things that like builds upon the lore differently of mm-hmm. like, you know, could change the lore by building upon it and not. I don't know. What do you think of that concept? I think it's possible. Um, I don't think she does enough work otherwise to change it mm-hmm. enough. Um, so I I think she was like being a little weird and like <laughs> wink wink we don't know what happened to her in the forest which is she like dirty yeah, honestly but we know jk would never do that because she's like super concerned with the safety of women oh yeah so, love it. that could be a whole episode where it's like where we talk about her image and her actual desire to be like a dark bitch. She wants to be a dark horse. Oh, what is a dark horse? I don't actually know. It's not, that's not what it means though. Word association, word association. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's dark horse is like, uh, it's like something that happens that you think isn't going to happen or like someone who wins who you don't think is going to win. 
Right. Yeah. It's like somebody, something that comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Fair yeah. Enough. I don't, that's not what this is, but I had to throw in another cliche before we were done. I understand. Um, anyway. Sure. So, yeah. So those are all of our encounters with centaurs for the most part. Nice. They do come back. So at the, in the, the last book, they do, I believe, take part in the battle for Hogwarts. So they, you know, they, they do, do defend they, they their like, home. They defend Hogwarts a little. Mm-hmm. They needed to. Themselves. Yeah. Oh, how awkward in the forest with the giant spiders and the centaurs after the Battle of Hogwarts. Yeah, I assume they just like, like avoid each other. Yeah. I think everything in that forest like does not talk. So you said that you started to like them a little bit more after reading about their politics. How do you feel about them overall now, Sean? I guess I'm like, I still don't. I still would not ever want to interact with one because I think mm. I would like get really annoyed <laughs> kind of in the same way that like even Hagrid always gets really annoyed when he talks to him. Like he's kind of cool with them, right. but he's just like, oh yeah, bars. Thanks friends. Like, okay. Whatever. That's super helpful. Yeah. Like he's, you know, he's also like, all right, I'm tired of your woo woo bullshit. Um, but like, I think it's cool that they refuse to be a part of government. Mm-hmm. So. So I guess I like them. I still don't like them, but I like them more. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I like them. I never disliked them, but I like them more after you. I would agree. Explain that. Yeah. I like making fun of them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Out of these three creatures, my question for you two: When you're on your deathbed. Which creature will you have wished you had a meaningful relationship with? Thestral. Thestral. Same. Why? I don't know. They just seem like they're spooky. They're spooky boys. They're so cute. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of like unicorn for goth kids. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. I'm going to look into that now, Lisa, and see if I can find yeah please do because i like one of the reasons why i picked festivals is because i was like really excited when like when we did the lawn the wand lore episode one of my favorite things about it was that i learned a ton about different um like different mythical creatures that i've never heard of before and i was hoping Mm -hmm. that festivals would take me down that rabbit hole and it didn't at all um and so i was like a little disappointed that it was like all particularly harry potter stuff which at the end of the day given the exhaustion that i am meant that i could pretty much just do a, a Lisa Mullen brain recall. Um, yeah, it's perfect. So, like, so that was nice. Um, but I was looking forward to being able to actually like dig in and do a little bit more research. But mm-hmm. okay, next time. Next time. I do think it says something about how annoying we all think centaurs are. That's three of us who are so often horny on this podcast. <laughs> when asked to pick our favorite, we're like, not the horse guys. Mm. Absolutely not. Not the oh, horse no. guys. No, mm-mm, not the yeah. horse. Um, well, hold your horses, team. Uh, oh, damn it. You got another one uh, in. Another I did. One. I did. Uh, can we talk about some honorable mentions? Yes. Nice. Uh, so I have two in mind. Um, the first being hippogriffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so hippogriffs yes. are a direct rip from... Um, like already existing mytholo- mythology and folklore. Um, but what I didn't know 
um, was that hippogriffs were, cause I had heard that they're like, um, heard. I'd heard that they had, oh, <laughs> we're nailing it. <laughs> uh, I had heard that, uh, <laughs> like that they originated a little bit more in Greek mythology, but that's not true. Um, they really are, they were invented by, uh, Ludovico Ariosto, um, in the 16th century. So like significantly more modern. Um, and then attributed to and like wrapped up in like more modern Greek mythology um, and said to be like the symbol of Apollo um, and things like that. So like they've been tied in, but they've been around for a while now, a few centuries. Um, so hippogriffs are more like they're they're around. Um, mm-hmm. And we also know that uh, hippogriffs in the Harry Potter worlds, though, I did not look into like what their behaviors like they're other like super proud creatures. Um which would track if they're the symbol of Apollo. I feel like Apollo is always like such a dick to people who like thwart him. Um, so that would track. Um, and uh, supposedly are the creation of a mare and a griffin mating. So <gasps> hippogriffs. Spicy. I know. Hmm. Yeah. Well done. Um, and then the second honorable mention would be the Braxton horses of uh, Madame Maxime. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. Um, and those are a direct rip from uh, Greek mythology. Um, Abraxas wow. is one of the uh, potential names, though the names rotate and it's not like confirmed. It's like one of the like abridged names of uh one of the four immortal horses of Helios, uh, the sun god, who like brings the dawn, who like rides the carriage around for dawn. Wow, were, Lisa, yeah. were they Is that Pegasus? Yeah, I was gonna say, did they have, were they winged? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Pegasus is the um, the offspring of um, Poseidon and Medusa. I just know this. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Yeah, because you were a great uh-huh. mythology girl, which is was another yeah. type of girl. <laughs> But only recently, like, I got, like, I just really started listening to Mythos, and it was just, like, really interesting, and I kept going. Um, But, so, yeah, Pegasus is, like, one horse, um, and then, I guess, in more, like, modern retellings of Greek mythology, it became, like, Pegasus became, like, an encompassing term, Um, but usually when folks are talking about, like, Pegasi, they're talking about, like, Pegasus's offspring, Um, not, like, the actual, like, winged horses, which um, there's, like, think a whole bunch of immortal horses like i think immortal horses mm-hmm. are like and like not kind of all like of a them dime are winged. a dozen in greek mythology yeah and like not all of them are winged but all of helios's are winged they're like massive horses um that are uh drawn like they did they, they draw his like chariot across the sky to like bring the dawn they were also in fantasia and they were so cute mm-hmm. they were really cute um, yeah, and Helios they... is actually a titan, not a god. Huh. Mm-hmm. They don't they um don't wow. they feed Madame Maxine's horses whiskey? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love I that. I do too. Just like big buckets of whiskey, big like single malt, right? Yeah, single malt whiskey. Yeah, that's really. Um, and they're fun. like they're described as being like uh like big winged horses so they're like huge basically i'm picturing like a clydesdale with like yes. eagle wings 
same yeah. kind of yeah like just these like massive massive horses um so you know yeah. those Bobatin's girls were all horse girls oh every my god one of all, them. Every all of them are horse girls them. yeah yeah every wow. single Bobatin's kid horse girl huh. Luna was Luna a horse girl uh, they portrayed the Luna to be more of a horse girl because of the in the movies because of the like ancestral relationship that she seemed to have where she was like eating yeah. apples. That doesn't happen in the books, but I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, she's, she's just generally the... like a weird, just a weird kid. Just, yeah, just a weird girl. Um, and like in a good way, like you know, like she's like in the best way, but she's like a weird girl. She's like a little bit old. She's like a little bit the girl that like meowed. Yeah. yeah it's like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. easy to say as an adult like oh luna is great but if we were on the playground with her i don't know how it would have gone no i like get why she got bullied yeah no yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. i'm not saying it's a good thing oh no uh, yeah. and, and anyway but i and I'm, i'd like to think <laughs> that i wouldn't be on the wrong side but i probably would have been <laughs> I I hope that I wouldn't make fun of her, right. but I like I, that, I know I wouldn't reason. also seek her out for friendship either. Uh-huh. I can tell you though, um, my teachers can tell you this also that if we were sat next to each other, I absolutely would have talked to her and been friends with her during class. Yes, because no matter where they put me in class, it didn't matter. <laughs> Lisa, you were a pleasure to have in class, and I just know it. <laughs> I was a I was a pleasure to have in class. Oh, that's always what my report card says. Lisa yes. is a pleasure to have in class, but she talks too much. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I got I like moved that. around the classroom all of the time. <laughs> and eventually my teachers just stopped caring because they it did not matter who they sat me next to. I would talk to them and become friends with them. That's beautiful. That's really at sweet. minimum during that class period. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Gang, I feel like we've done it. It's been nice to get back on. Back on the horse. Back on the horse. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, no. Your dad will laugh at that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. Any other thoughts about our horse friends? Uh, No, no. but I learned things today. So thank you both. Yeah, thank you both. Same. Yeah. I didn't finish my beer, though. You got to finish it. Where can folks find us while you're finishing your beer? So, uh, as per Instagram? usual, you can find us on Instagram at Watch Your Harry Podcast. You could, if you must, and you can wait six to nine months for a response, you can email us, watchyourharrypod at gmail.com. When have we ever responded something as quickly as six to nine months? Uh, that you're right. You're right. If, <laughs> you're if in right. two years if, you want to, if we're being generous, email, if we're being generous, we'll respond in two to nine months. Um, just don't email us. Yeah. You you don't. You guys, Instagram. if you're listening to this, Instagram. like you know, not to email us. Don't. Do I'm it. not. I'm not worried. I don't know why we still give our email out. But you should Instagram yeah. us. Instagram is best. I still want you to email us though, because one day we will check it and we'll be really fucking happy when we see those emails. Like it's yeah, gonna bring nice. us so much joy. That's not gonna happen for at least four more months, a minimum. I will say 
we got an Instagram comment recently from someone we didn't go to college or high school with saying they loved our fanfic episode. And it was like the highlight of my day. So if you're out there and you like an episode and you do leave a comment, it's really nice. Especially if you don't them. if you don't know us personally and you don't yeah. feel indebted to us in any way to like be nice yeah. to us. That's cool. That's cool. really cool. Yeah. And I to all of the folks who listened to our Snape episode, I promise there will be a graphic of sexy Snape. I just didn't get to it because I've been really stressed out. So it'll happen. And it'll yeah. happen at least within six to nine months. We're all doing our best. And that's a promise. Yeah. And that's a promise. <laughs> Thanks, okay. everybody. Thank you. Guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The Watcher Harry podcast is hosted by me, Sean Fitzpatrick. Lisa Moen, and Caleb Kelleher. Our editing is done by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, and our theme music is Dance Macabre, Busy Strings by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. It's licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.